welcome everybody to the next episode of our Practical PH podcast. I'm truly thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Hilary DeBrock to talk about pulmonary hypertension fellowships. Dr. DeBrock is a consultant in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine and an Associate Professor of Medicine at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. She's also the current and founding uh, program director of the Pulmonary Hypertension Fellowship, as well as associate director of the Pulmonary Clinic, Pulmonary Hypertension Clinic. So Dr. DeBrock, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's really quite an honor. I'm happy to talk about Pulmonary Hypertension Fellowships with you. Thank you so much. I think to get started, if you wouldn't mind, I think it'd be helpful for the audience if we could just talk a little bit about kind of a basic introduction and overview of pulmonary hypertension fellowship. Um, I know that that to some of our listeners may be a kind of a newer um, concept or something they're not as familiar with. Sure. So the goal of a pulmonary hypertension fellowship is really to provide additional education, training, and mentorship to physicians who are interested in pursuing a career uh, within pulmonary vascular disease. And so I think, you know, over the last decade or so, pulmonary hypertension has really become a complicated and very specialized field, and it can be challenging to gain sufficient knowledge and skills to practice independently in the field of pulmonary hypertension within the, the constraints of a three-year PCCM or cardiology fellowship. Typically, fellows who've already completed PCCM or cardiology fellowship training or who are board eligible in those specialties are eligible to apply to a pulmonary hypertension fellowship. And these fellowship programs have been around since the early 2000s, but for many years, there were only a couple programs in the country. And so when we started our fellowship at Mayo Clinic in 2020, there were only a handful of training slots across the country. And we developed the fellowship really to meet the unmet need of fellows who wanted to gain additional expertise in pulmonary hypertension. As I think many of us in the PH world today, um, I did my training on the fly during PCCM fellowship, um, but I also completed fellowship over five years. So I did a four-year fellowship with an additional chief resident year. And I also had the fortune of having amazing mentors with expertise in pulmonary hypertension at my training program. And I think today, many people don't have that opportunity, either because they're completing fellowship within three years, where, as I mentioned, it's really hard to get enough pulmonary hypertension training during that time period, when you're also learning about you know everything else related to pulmonary disease and critical care or cardiology. And then it's also really hard, I think, to know if you want to do pulmonary hypertension if you don't have access to mentors with expertise in pH as well. And so that's where I think pulmonary hypertension fellowships can be particularly helpful for people who know they're interested in pulmonary hypertension, but either don't have that time to get the extra training during their fellowship or don't have access to mentors with expertise in pulmonary hypertension to really uh, train them about how to practice within the field of pH. To get into a little bit about the structure of pulmonary hypertension fellowships, they're generally one to two years in duration. Our program, for example, is one year. Some other programs are up to two years and have uh, one primarily clinical year and a second year focused more on research. Uh, but there is a lot of variability in different programs across the country. 
They're not ACGME accredited fellowships, although we are working with other fellowship programs as part of the Pulmonary Vascular Diseases Education Consortium to develop a standardized curriculum so all of our programs provide similar training and to actually move forward towards becoming an ACGME accredited fellowship one day in the future. So it's about one to two years and it's for people who are interested in additional training in pulmonary hypertension. And I think the next question is, what does it involve? What does a year of pulmonary hypertension fellowship training look like? And really, um, you know, it's variable across different uh, fellowship programs, but clinical experiences include um, seeing patients in pulmonary hypertension uh, specialty outpatient clinics and seeing inpatient consultations uh, for evaluation and management of patients with pulmonary hypertension and right heart failure. Uh, it involves training in um, heart failure and congenital heart disease, as well as lung transplantation, performing and interpreting right heart catheterizations, and then additional elective time in various subspecialties such as rheumatology or thrombophilia and disorders that have a lot of uh, crossover with pulmonary hypertension. Uh, each program typically also has additional training and imaging modalities related to pulmonary hypertension, such as echocardiography or cardiac MR, BQ scans, and chest radiography, as it's really important to learn these skills as well. And then most fellowships also have dedicated time for conducting scholarly activity within the field of pulmonary hypertension, too. Lastly, I think, you know, to summarize, PH fellowships really provide more focused and dedicated training for fellows who are interested in pulmonary hypertension and give them an opportunity to rotate through these various subspecialties and perform procedures such as right heart catheterizations that they might not have been able to do as part of their um, general fellowship training. Thank you so much. That's extremely helpful and very comprehensive. So I, I know we really appreciate it. What I think you hinted at a lot of these, but what do you think if if there's a kind of trainee or a fellow listening and they're considering PH fellowship, what would be kind of, if you were kind of meeting with them, what do you think the kind of main reasons you would recommend that they consider doing a PH fellowship? I know you mentioned that additional experience. Are there any kind of maybe un, unanticipated benefits that you would want to make sure that they knew about? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So it's it's a year of your life. So why do it, right? Uh, I think anyone who is passionate about pulmonary vascular disease and really wants to learn more about pH should consider a pH fellowship. If I had to think of kind of top reasons, I would say, you know, first, uh, you get to spend a whole year doing what you love and learning about pulmonary hypertension diagnosis and management. So, you know, I can't imagine anything better than that. <laughs> Second, I think you... Um, get the opportunity to acquire a unique skill set and expertise that allows you to take excellent care of patients with pulmonary hypertension and help them throughout their disease journey. So I think it's really important for our pH patients that uh, their providers have this training and expertise. Third, uh, I, it can help you be more marketable for job positions, particularly within the field of pulmonary hypertension. So our PH fellows um, generally have great experience getting jobs within the field of pulmonary hypertension because um, they have that unique marketability and, and training. And then lastly, you know, as a PH fellow, I think you get to become part of a growing elite and amazing community of pulmonary hypertension physicians across the country and the world. So um, that's also an added bonus. 
Definitely. Um, I think one thing that uh, can be, I think you're in a unique position, Dr. DeBrock, because you were the founding program director, <laughs> as well as the current program director of the PH Fellowship at Mayo. Anything that has been surprising for you as program director, either in terms of the fellows who have come through and trained or, you know, experiences working in the in your healthcare system um, as a PH direct program director, anything like that? I think um, one of the things that has surprised me is just how much work and, and paperwork it, that's required to both start and maintain a fellowship. Uh, I, you know, had really no idea before I started this, uh, how much work goes on behind the scenes to running a fellowship and, and the initial kind of program certification and paperwork required in developing a curriculum, but it has all been totally worth it. Um, I think on the flip side, I've been really surprised uh, how much I've enjoyed interviewing with fellows applying to the PH Fellowship. So it seems like a lot of work, but it has um, been so, I think, energizing and refreshing to talk to young people who are motivated to pursue a fellowship and career in pulmonary hypertension, and also just incredibly rewarding to meet and train these future leaders of pulmonary hypertension. I think, yeah, there's a lot of unanticipated and behind the scenes work that goes into medical education. And it sounds like you've learned it <laughs> recently. <laughs> since you mentioned on the fly, <laughs> since you mentioned the interviewing process, just for our listeners, I think you mentioned that PH fellowships aren't ACGM accredited. What's the general timeline for applying for PH fellowship? I know it's going to vary slightly by program, but just in terms of kind of general, a general timeline. Great question. So most people um, who apply for fellowship are applying in the last year of their either PCCM fellowship or cardiology fellowship. And uh, the timeline for applications, typically the application cycle opens around July of that last year and, uh, and closes uh, in the fall, typically around September or October. So that's when interviews take place. And then um, uh, fellowships are uh, offered it, typically around the, the fall of that time. So it's around the time when you would be looking for a job as well. And that can be challenging with limited program slots, too, because you're trying to decide between job positions in pulmonary hypertension or in just pulmonary critical care versus pursuing additional training and fellowship in PH. Uh, but that's around the time. Uh, it I would also emphasize that um, you don't have to be fresh out of fellowship to apply to a PH fellowship. So people who are you know early, mid, or even late in their career and decide that they want to switch gears and learn more about pulmonary hypertension are also welcome to apply. I think it's, it can be more challenging to go back to fellowship after you've been you know, on staff as an attending or consultant, but that's certainly also an opportunity. And if um, people are passionate about pulmonary hypertension and want to pursue that training later in their career, uh, we are open to those types of applicants as well. Thank you for highlighting that. I think that's a question that comes up frequently in kind of informal settings about whether or not this would be an opportunity to people who have been in practice. So thank you for addressing that. You hinted on this earlier, but 
Any more comments on kind of uh, efforts between the different PH fellowship programs throughout the country, kind of educational um, joint efforts or kind of um, things that the programs are kind of working on together? Um, yeah, great question. So uh, Christina Kudelko at Stanford has done an amazing job. She's the fellowship program director at Stanford, uh, which is one of the first fellowship programs um, that developed. I think they started their program in 2001. So they've been around for a long time. And uh, she has been very motivated and has developed this pulmonary vascular diseases education consortium to try to get together all different centers and um, physicians interested in promoting education in pulmonary hypertension. And that includes places like you know, Mayo, Brigham and Women's, Duke, Penn, um, and Yale, as well as Stanford, who all have formal programs, but also, and I might have missed one or two, but hopefully I didn't. <laughs> and also people who are interested in starting a program or having informal education programs within pulmonary hypertension as part of their, you know, PCCM fellowship or cardiology fellowship. And so um, the goal is to kind of develop and standardize curriculum for training in pulmonary hypertension. So setting expectations of what should be learned during a pulmonary hypertension fellowship, you know, what kind of goals we want to accomplish with education and, you know, what kind of procedural competency should be expected and just setting some standards for that. And then hopefully moving toward ACGME accreditation, um, similar to the, the pathway of interventional pulmonary, for example, that also started out as a non-ACGME accredited fellowship, but has been um, now ACGME accredited. Uh, so we really can get recognition for the, the training and, and, um, education of pulmonary hypertension physicians. Well, thank you. I was going to ask about kind of future directions of PH fellowships, but I know you kind of covered, I think, most of them in terms of ACGME accreditation potentially in the future. Any other kind of future directions? Do you see the number of programs kind of continuing to grow and this becoming a increasingly kind of prevalent um, opportunity or other kind of things you think think that we may see down the road? I think we will see an increase in number of programs, and we have over the last uh, several years. Uh, and PH is such an exciting and rapidly evolving field that I think training in formal pulmonary hypertension fellowship programs will become more of the standard for fellows interested in pursuing a career in pulmonary hypertension as it, I think, will be increasingly difficult to get enough training during a typical three-year fellowship uh, to acquire enough skills to really practice independently in PH. And I think as long as there's enough interest, uh, so all fellows interested in pursuing a career in pulmonary hypertension have the opportunity for training, uh, I think it will see an increase in the number of pulmonary hypertension fellowship programs and potentially move towards being uh, ACGME accredited fellowship in the future. But overall, I would say the future of pulmonary hypertension fellowships is quite bright. And uh, you know, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to play a small role in the training of uh, future leaders in the field of pulmonary hypertension. Well, thank you so much, Dr. DeBrock. It's been an honor to have you with us and I really appreciate, and I know our audience does all of your insights. Um, thank you to all of our listeners and I'm Catherine Del Valle and thank you again, Dr. DeBrock for joining us. And we will see you all next time for our next 
uh, practical pH. Thank you. Great. Thank you.